Good morning, everyone. Enough with the babies over there. Pastor John already thanked everyone for their help in uh, VBS, and we really are grateful for all of the work you guys put in, planning it, putting it together, uh, putting all of the stuff together, because I mean, it was all over the whole property. Uh, we had zip lines. I mean, it was just it was an amazing time, and I am grateful for all of your help in doing it, breaking it down. I also, this is the first time I've had the opportunity to do it, want to thank you guys who took one of your Saturdays, a Saturday, which for some of you is your only day. You took your Saturday to come over and work on the parsonage and get things kind of caught up, and I am truly grateful for your servants' hearts and how you have been expressing the love of God in tangible ways. So thank you for that. Well, as I uh, took time to think and pray about today, um, I kept telling my wife, I've got nothing. It's not going anywhere. It's a good time to quit. Um, but really, the struggle was my mind and heart was going in two different directions. So I decided, even though I was given an allotted period of time, since this is kind of my salon song, what are you going to do, fire me? Um, <laughs> I'm going to go in two different directions. Uh, the first direction is actually to you, the congregation and family here at Family Life Church. And the second, I want to make some brief comments to John and to April and to the family. Um, I don't know if you've thought about it, but most good stories have to have a lead-in line. You know, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, or once upon a... So time is important in these stories. They're, they're taking you back to a certain era. And of course, you can't neglect probably the most famous book of all time starts with a word that doesn't include the word time, but it certainly refers to time when it says... In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, the story that we are celebrating today, and, and I'm saying it specifically to you, the congregation, because I want you to understand what we're about. This story didn't begin when the elders decided that they would bring John and April on as missionary worship leaders to our church. This story didn't begin when they decided that they would make Jonathan and April worship pastor. This story didn't begin when they decided to make John and April associate pastor of this church. And it's not beginning today when he's installed as lead pastor. According to the Word of God in Ephesians chapter 1, all of this began before the foundations of the world. What I want you to catch is this was God's plan before it was our plan. All we're doing is jumping on his bandwagon, finding what he's doing that we can celebrate. In the beginning, God created, and at the end of his creation, he said, it's good, it's good. And by the way, that ought to be your theology moving forward. You ought not start with chapter 3 and neglect chapter 1 of Genesis. Start with chapter 1 where God says, it's good. 
So when you wake up in the morning, say, it's going to be a good day. Yes, I know chapter 3 is coming with the fall and all of the fallout from it, but it starts with, it's good. But then, he takes some dust of the ground and he fashions a man. And he looks at that and he says, it's very good. But even with it being very good, God knew Sandy alone was not enough. I say Sandy because the word Adam, Adam, literally means dirt or sand. So I think we could have called him Sandy or Dirty, but we called him Adam. Um, he looked at Adam and he said, you're not enough. He said, I want more. So he took from Adam and he created a woman who would be a partner with him. And in that partnership, they would begin to create a family. And if you look at the the principle of God, which is usually to start with one, but from the one to grow it to more and more, that there would be increase. You see that all throughout the Scripture. Uh, I, I thought about uh, Noah. God comes and He speaks to Noah, but Noah didn't build the ark alone. It took his whole family to be able to save mankind and to propagate the church in a way that uh, would save you today. I thought about Abraham, the father of those who walk in faith. I mean, here's this guy who is touted as being the progenitor of those of faith. But God looks at Abraham and says, you're not enough. And he then brings along Isaac, his son. And Isaac, you're not enough. And he brings along Jacob and so on and so on down. You jump forward a couple years and there's David. who It's said of David, the only one it's said of, he had God's heart. There was something about David. It's kind of like as a grandparent. You know how sometimes your kids just grab your heart? It's like you love them so much. That's what God's saying about David. He's grabbed my heart. And even with David, he said, as much as you have expanded the kingdom more than any other king before you, you're not enough. I want more. And he arranged that his son Solomon would take in place. And Solomon did that which every father and mother wants. Solomon exceeded his father. The Scripture says that the kingdom under Solomon was greater than under David. And there's not a parent in this room who didn't pray from the beginning that your kids would exceed you in the graces and virtues of God. The principle is one of greater growth. And what I want you to catch is what God is doing in the earth has a specific purpose. And it's never going to end until the consummation of all things. And the words God gave me, and again, these are just my simple words, and it was simply this, continuation through succession. Continuation through succession. God never ended anything that He starts. It says, of the increase of His government, there shall be no end. Jesus will be the King in eternity. It will never end. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. Today, we celebrate a succession. But I want to remind you, it didn't start here. It started in the heart of God. God's the one who planned all of this. Way back in, uh, my sister Kathy is here by the way, uh, way back in about 1970, I'll let you go back in your mind, uh, God picked the most unlikely man you could ever imagine. He looked kind of like Barney Fife. And he was kind of like Barney Fife. He was fumbling around, making mistakes. Picked a guy 
like that and gave him an assignment for one. Now, for those of you that have done the intentional church and all that, you know that part of the thrust is find out who your one is. Well, God gave this guy an assignment of one. And he went and he witnessed to that guy, talked to him about the Lord. And you've got to understand how unlikely this story is. No one could make this story up other than God. He picked as an assignment for this man a guy who was a God-hater and a religion-hater. And yet that was his assignment. And in 1970, my dad made his way to Spencerport Assembly of God, walked in the doors of the church, and began to weep for no reason whatsoever. Didn't understand anything. He was so upset and embarrassed that he got in his car, drove home, and left my mom behind. That's like an hour and a half away. This guy who witnessed to my dad brought him and his wife, brought my mom home, and led my dad and my mom to the Lord that day. And my dad made us six kids, Kathy was there then, made us six kids come down and physically kneel on the ground and give our lives to Jesus. That was in 1970. In 1975, about five years later, by the way, about the same time this church was born, right in the same era, in 1975, George Lonneville's oldest living son made the decision to follow Jesus for the rest of his life and never quit. He said, this is all I've got. I'm going after him. It's succession that causes there to be a continuation. We've grown from one man, George Lonneville, to his whole immediate family, and then from there on. At the time of my commitment, to be clear, I wasn't thinking about anything big. I was only thinking I didn't want to go to hell. Like many of you, honestly. But the truth is, God had a plan for the Lonneville family. It didn't end with George Lonneville. He had a plan for more. Six months later, eight months later, I found myself at a place called Elam Bible Institute, a place I never thought I would ever go or want to go. But I found myself at Elam Bible Institute, and while there, I met this uh, person who was the most beautiful girl on the campus. We learned, learned, because it is a process, to love each other. And we made the decision to get married, and I still had no other plans than for me. It was all about me. I wanted her and I to live out our lives together, maybe have one or two children, have the perfect family, you know, a boy and a girl. That'd be the perfect family. And we would grow old together, sitting in our rocking chairs, holding hands. That was all I had planned. But the whole time, God had another plan. A couple of years go by, and I can still remember up at Highland Hospital in Rochester holding this six-pound, 13-ounce, 19-and-three-quarter-inch little baby boy. And my world changed forever. Kind of like the Grinch. I felt like my heart grew three times. It changed everything for me, personally. And then about two-and-a-half years later, Jeremy Daniel came along, and then about four years after that, Jennifer Lee. And my world and my worldview continued to be enlarged. 
The principle is continuation through succession. God's plan wasn't going to end with my dad, and it wasn't going to end with me, and it's not going to end with Jonathan. God has a plan for things to continue on and to grow and to develop. I've had the privilege of traveling a bit, as have some of you in this room, and one of the things I've discovered that is in other cultures, they have a different view of time than we do. In many of the other cultures, they consider time to be cyclical. Time just continues to repeat itself again and again until it hits a great catechism, then it erupts, and then it's reborn again, much like reincarnation. It's the Bible that teaches us that God created time. And God's going somewhere with time. God has a purpose and a plan, even as He does for today. I want you to hear me, congregation of Family Life Church. It's possible for you to live your life like you're just existing. I'm just getting by. I go to work in the morning and that's all it is. I get up and that's all it is. I take my nourishment. I asked somebody how they were yesterday and they said, well, I'm still upright and taking nourishment. Well, that sounds funny, but I hope life is more than that for you. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. As much as He did for my dad and me and Jonathan, God has a purpose for your life. Walk in that purpose. Walk with a sense of intentionality in what God has for you. He has a plan for you, and His plan isn't just for you. It's for it to carry on after you, for you to impact the lives of those around you. What I want you to catch today is that God planned what we are about today, long ago. We're just happy to celebrate with Him and what He has planned it didn't start with Jonathan Lonneville. It didn't start with Chris Lonneville, and it didn't start with George Lonneville. In fact, I was talking to Kavern last night, I think it was, and I said, you know what I would like to know? I would like to know who is the guy that led the other guy to the Lord. His name, by the way, was Elwood Hillflicker. That should tell you something about him. Who led him to the Lord? Who witnessed to him that caused him to follow the Lord? The story never ends, and you're a part of it. Remember and glory in the truth that this is all God's doing and what we're doing is embracing and celebrating God's choosing. So that's my word to you simply as a congregation. This is God's plan. Let's celebrate what He's doing. Then to John and April and the family. Well, almost the whole family. We are missing one here. Um, it's important for you to remember what I just said, by the way that it doesn't start with you and it doesn't end with you. There's going to be those who come after you. Uh, people think it's odd that I like to walk in the cemetery. But I find it the most soothing thing in the world to know that there were people who came long before me and there will be people who walk this earth long after me. And I'm okay with it. I think that's good. And I, I look at their gravestones and I think, Lord, what did they do in life? Whose lives did they impact that maybe without me even knowing it impacts me today? <clears throat> John, you know I love this church. Everywhere I go, everywhere I go, I speak well of you guys. Tell them you're the best. This is the best church in the world. Everything starts and ends with you as far as I'm concerned. You're it. I love you. But one of the things that I have learned, Jonathan and April for that matter, over these 40-some years of ministry, probably the, the most important lesson I've ever learned is that although they have put out a call 
which is wonderful. The elders asked you to pray about what we're about today. And you prayed and you, you agreed with what they put out as a call. Although they put out a call, although the congregation might affirm and say, yes, you're our lead pastor, the reality is your call is first and foremost from God. And I say that to you because it's easy to look at the frowns and the smiles on people's faces and be affected. What I'm suggesting to you is you have to find your identity and security in God. And you have to believe that you're a part of the story for a reason. I was in pastorate, I don't know if I've even said this publicly, but I probably pastored for 20 years before I believed that's actually what I should be doing. When I began pastoring, one of the elders of Elam Fellowship called me into his office and said, I've got a church that I think you should take. I was young enough, immature enough, I just said, okay. Never felt like I did it well, never felt like I should be doing it, but years and years go by when one day I can remember thinking, God, I think this might be your plan. Maybe this is right somehow. And I want you to walk now with greater confidence in that than it took me all those years to do. You're here for a reason. You're here not just to follow on my system. That means nothing in the the scope of the kingdom. God made you who you are for a reason because he knew that who you are is what he needs here and now. And who you will become, he's going to need. So don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to fit molds. I know it's, it's so tempting to go to different conferences and read different books and say, this is the answer. No, the answer is you being who God made you to be. And if your style of preaching is to tell long stories, I don't know why I'm even thinking that, but <laughs> if your style is to tell stories, then tell stories. The scripture says this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then Paul says in Philippians 3.9, being found in him. In those moments when you're dealing with people, because again, I, I love these people, but I also know these people. There are times when they can frustrate you, aggravate you. I guarantee it, just like we probably frustrate and aggravate them. See what I mean? (laughs) In those times, remember, this was God's choosing, not yours. He not only chose you, He will take care of you. He will provide for you. It's easy in the midst of all of this to feel like it's more than what you can do. And in one way, that's true. That's why we need His grace. In another way, there's no one else because God chose you. And he's prepared you for this day. So keep in mind, this all began with him. You're in him and he's in you. So that's where your security and identity is. Keep in mind that he called you and he's made you who you are. With all of the stuff in your history, that's not like a blip that you wish you could just forget because I did stupid things back then. No, God actually knows that he could use all of that to make you who you are. Keep your eyes on Jesus, not the latest and greatest Keep your eyes on Jesus and continue to press for him. You are his servant before you're their servant. And finally, I I want you to know that for your mom and I, uh, we 
in ways that you can't even grasp yet in your mind, we have waited and longed for this day. When we could take that which God has given us as a gift and hand it over to you as our inheritance and say, we are for you, we love you, we love all of you. You guys are, in our opinion, the best. And I want you to know that as we're in the area, which hopefully will be a lot, uh, we will sit in church and we will be your biggest cheerleaders. We want you to succeed at everything God puts in front of you and that this won't end with you. It will continue on. There will be others who will come after you and the family will continue to make an impact. And that's true for you guys. This doesn't end with your dad. This includes you. You have a call on your life. Not necessarily the same call he does, but you have a call. You have a purpose, and we want to see you walk in that. Uh, one of the privileges that we have as a church is that we are connected to a greater body of churches. They're called the Elam Fellowship, and we're grateful for that opportunity to be able to be connected in that way. And so today we have with us a couple of folks who are representative of Elam. The first is the United States Ministries Director of Elam Fellowship, Joe Jansen, who's been a friend. We've traveled literally around the world together, and uh, he's just a great man of God who has asked to come and be a part with us and to be able to share this day. So, Joe, you want to come on up? And the mic's already on. You just have to talk. You want your notes or... You want me to do that again? No, would you do it better? <laughs> no. I couldn't. It's awesome. What an awesome day. It's an emotional day. Uh, you know, I'm sure uh, Pastor Chris, uh, it's, a, it's a, you know, joyful, and, uh, but also some other emotions there, and we're uh, just honored to be a part. I want to share with you, uh, John, <coughs> that... Uh, s stepping into the role of a lead pastor, uh, it seems like a short walk, you know, and, and when you're not, you know, if you ever want to find out what you should be doing with the church, ask somebody that's not running the church, right? Because <laughs> they know everything that needs to be fixed and stuff. But when you make the walk, although it seems like right now about five feet, it's really about 500 miles. It's a long walk to this, it's a sacred office. And to take, to take on, there's a, there's a mantle with it, but it's th the full responsibility to shepherd a flock of God. It's, uh, it's an awesome thing. It's, and, and, and so there's, it's a whole other level. And, you know, I remember uh, when, I, when I was a kid, uh, I, uh, I, I boxed. Uh, and not, my father used to say, what are you, boxing oranges? No, I, I, uh, I, was, I went to the police boys club and uh, was part of a boxing club there. And... Uh, you know, I was about 83 pounds soaking wet, but I was like super flyweight. And, uh, and it was a lot of fun. We had a, actually a professional boxer that was, uh, that was helping us. And some of the guys, some of my friends, they, they went, they took, made the decision to become Golden Glove guys. And uh, so about, I, I, I didn't at the time, but I was thinking about it. And about six months when I got by, and one of the guys came back to our club. And uh, I used to spar with him. And so I, I asked him, let's, uh, you know, let's spar. And uh, wow. He was like, when he hit me, it was like he was aiming for the back of my head. You know, it was like, I mean, I'm, I was seeing stars. Because it was a whole nother level. 
And so I was getting hit with stuff that I never knew before that it was possible. That's, you know, that because it was just a whole other level. And I had to, if I was going to become a Golden Gloves boxer, I had to be willing to go to that level. And, you know, one of, one of the things about going to another level is you'd have to, you have to train differently. You, and you have to, you're, co you're actually coached differently. You have to do different things. And that's, so I, w I just want to talk to you about going to that, that, that next level is uh, going to take, uh, Training rather than trying, and it's training <coughs> differently with different coaches. You know, uh, there's different things that you have to do to train. Because I just ran a, a 15k down in Utica, New York, and uh, Joanne, my wife, she she actually sits at the the uh, the finish line, which is nice. But she sees the people that are coming in that didn't train, and uh, some of them end up in they're in the ambulance, literally in ambulances. You know, they got oxygen on them, their IVs and stuff because they didn't train. They had a lot of passion. They were going to run the 15K. You know, they, they were all excited, a lot of enthusiasm. But there's some things that passion and enthusiasm, it doesn't cut it. You have to train. There's things that you need to know and that you have to have things built in you through that training to be able to successfully complete what God has called you to. And so uh, don't just try, train. And train in new ways. And then there's this thing also, John, uh, when you get to that next level, is you have to be resilient. That word resilience, uh, you know, if you just look, the ability to bounce back after experiencing deforming pressure. Hmm, isn't that interesting? Because that's going to happen in life. That's going to happen in pastoring. You're going to hit some stuff. I had a couple other. Resilience comes from the same word that the word somersault comes from, which I huh. thought was interesting. Wow. But you need to learn how to do somersaults and land back on your feet, right? You're a somersault, you you know, you you roll over and and you're but you're back you're back on your feet. That's that's uh, that's resilience, you know, the toughness that you have to develop. Because in the in the boxing world, it was uh, Mike Tyson who said, "Hey, everybody's got a plan until you get hit in the face, you know. Then it, then it all changes." And uh, and and Joe Frazier said this. He said, "You can map out a fight plan." or a life plan, but when the action starts, it may not go the way you planned. Did all the church plans that you've had uh, go the way you planned? And you're down to your reflexes, your preparation, and that's where the road work shows. If you cheated on that in the dark of the morning, well, you're going to get found out under the bright lights during the fight. You've got to do the training and resilience comes when you're doing the road work. The road work is, you know, boxers and you know they get up early in the morning, and they're out there, they're running to build the endurance, to build the resilience, so that when you, you know, so that in, in, in the fight, you're not going to get tired. You know that resilience as you pop back up. I don't know if you're fight fans, but there's a guy Tyson Fury. I don't know if you ever watched him. He fought, uh, when he fought Dante Wilder three times. In the first fight. Uh, in the last round, Fury gets knocked. He gets knocked down. They think he's out cold. They think it's over. But on, on, on I think it was like uh, on the count of eight, he actually had his eyes closed. He bounces back up, and uh, he doesn't win the fight, but it's a it's a draw. But the next two fights, he kills the guy because he had resilience. And we need if ever you need in in, in life and pastoring. We need to be able to bounce back. We need to be able to somersault. We need to be able to kind of let, you know, land, land on our feet. The last thing I would share with you 
is to do, you know, some of the best, greatest wisdom is found right in the book of Proverbs, Solomon, and uh, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, because out of it flow the wellspring of life. And in this, you know, in this work, this, it's, a sacred, it's a sacred work that your, your dad so, you know, laid it out. This is a God thing. But you, we have to guard our hearts. What's going in it? What's coming out of it? Because you know, garbage in, garbage out. Because you know, Solomon's saying it's the, our heart is our mind, our will, our emotions, the stuff that may. And if we, if it, it, it people, you know, they, sometimes they, they don't mean it, but they poison. They can try to poison our hearts. And it's that daily training uh, in, uh, you know, doing an inventory of of what's going on inside of us and where we're stuck, and where, where anger is taken over, or unforgiveness, or, or bitterness, you know, that, and these roots, and just uh, having, again, having in place the training to be able to keep a clean and a pure heart. Because without it, we lead people, you know, we, we'll, we'll lead everybody to, you know, sour grapes. And so those are my, those are my words to you. I, I'm excited for you. Uh, I'm praying for you. Uh, we're, we're, we're here to help you in any way, cheer you on. You guys are awesome, and uh, I know that it's a God thing, and you're going you're gonna to take the, this uh, flock to new levels. You're going to impact uh, your world in great ways. So bless you, John. Thank you. And next, uh, we actually have the uh, president of Elam Fellowship able to be with us today. So, Chris Ball, if you want to come and share. Get this out of your way. Well, first I want to say uh, thank you, elders of Family Life Church and also Pastor Chris and Karen for inviting us. It's a real privilege, and on behalf of Elam Fellowship, uh, Jonathan and April, I just want to congratulate you on what God is doing, what he started a long time ago, as we heard. But we're here together with you today because we believe in you. And Elam Fellowship believes in you and this church. And with that said, I'd like to open up with a, a, song, a scripture from the Psalms, Psalm 139, 1 through 4. O Lord, you have searched me and know me and have known me. You, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You searched out my path and my laying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word comes from my tongue, you knew it altogether. That word searched, you have searched me, O God, comes from an exploration a mind exploration. Other places in the Bible talk about the whole idea of examination, exploring. And God has been searching David. <clears throat> and by the way, this psalm was titled from David to the chief worship leader. And it says, it says that, uh, that he searched him, and as he searched through his life, he searched the good, the bad, those things that have been challengeable, and those things who have been, that have been unbelievable. And we know David's life, so we know the things that are challengeable, the things that are bad, the things that are good, and those things that are just unbelievable in David's life. And David said, it's in that time I've learned 
and know your moves, know your thoughts, know where you're going, how you behave, and the very words that will come out of your mouth. Now, when I read that, I read it because I looked for that passage of scripture purposefully because of your maternal grandfather. We've heard about your paternal grandfather, but your maternal grandfather was very, very, very close. He and Mavis to me and Carol. When he ordained me in 1990, being Welsh, I invited my parents who were Welsh. It's the only time my parents came to my church to see David Edwards lay hands on me. And my, my, I don't know if my dad ever heard me preach all those years. But he, they felt safe with another Welshman. <laughs> <laughs> and he shared a story at my ordination that maybe David shared here. He's was certainly a part of this congregation. And uh, this story I've never shared publicly, but it's in your life as a pastor, in your life in ministry, there'll be bullet points that stand out to you. And this story I want to give to you because it has, it, it gripped me at the moment, <clears throat> but it has gripped me all of my life. And I want to give it to you from your if you will, paternal grandfather. He shared a story about a guy named Ken Gobb. Ken Gobb was a traveling minister. I, I read about him this week. In fact, I found the story. It's in a book. And, and um, apparently Ken Gobb has traveled 8 million miles, 130 times to Israel. But Ken, Ken Gobb was traveling through the United States, and he was on I-95 near Dayton, Ohio. His wife, Barbara, and his children were tired, so he said to them, why don't we stop, go grab some breakfast in the corner restaurant. I can picture it being Denny's, but that's just adding to the story, okay? You'll do that, I'm sure. And, uh, <laughs> but, but, but they stopped to eat breakfast, and Ken said, I'm going to go for a walk. And he was walking around the block, and as he came to this one corner heading towards the Dairy Queen to get a soda, this telephone was ringing at the gas station. It kept ringing and ringing and ringing. Finally, he went over to the telephone booth, a phone with a cord for those of you who remember, <laughs> and, and, and he picked up the phone. When he picked up the phone, on the other end of the line was an operator. Is this Ken Gobb? A collect call for Ken Gobb. And uh, he, he, you know, I could go through his level of the story, but in short, I mean, he's like, this, this something's happening here. This is a telephone booth in the middle of nowhere. I pick it up, and the operator is looking for Ken Gobb, which is me. So he said, yes, this is Ken. He said, please hold. And a lady named Millie comes, Millie from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And she said, Please help me. And she started to weep. When she got herself together, all of a sudden, um, she said, I'm about to kill myself, and I just wrote the letter to my family. But I heard this voice say, take these numbers down and call it and ask for Ken Gobb. And she did that, and he answered the phone, and the rest of the story 
is that Ken began to minister. He's, he describes it in his story that I just read for the first time yesterday. And your grandfather shared about how the, the phone booth filled with the presence of God, giving him wisdom in that moment that wasn't learned, it wasn't trained, it wasn't all those things that we do, but it came supernaturally for this young woman from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. He led her to Christ, and there's the rest of the story going on. He hung up the phone, and he went around, and he got back into the restaurant and sat across from his wife, April, and he looked at his wife, and he said, God knows where I am. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, of course he does. Your grandfather looked at me that day. It was the last statement in his sermon as he ordained me, and he said, Chris Ball, until you know God knows where you are, like Ken, God knows where you are, you have not yet known the love of God and the protection of God. And I say to you as a couple, a family, come to that point where you know God, like Ken Gobble, Chris Ball, Chris Lonneville, Joe Jansen, Carol Ball, and all the others in here that have learned to know that he knows where you are. And in that, it will not be a curse. It will always be a comfort. At the end of that song, he started out with, he has searched me, oh God. But it ends with, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me. But then he says this, and then lead me into understanding or everlasting. Jonathan April, it's my prayer that as you lead this role, that you will have many confirmations of God's presence in your life. And it will be a life of real comfort knowing that God knows where you are. God bless you. Thank you. At this time, we're actually going to ask John and April and their family to come up. We're going to have some chairs set up here right now. So if girls too. And although we are officially setting in Pastor John as lead pastor, the truth is the whole family is impacted by this call together. And then there are some of you that we have invited to come and to pray with us to lay hands upon John and April and the family, uh, Rick and Kimberly, Kathy and Charity, uh, Chris and Carol and Joe, the elders, if they would come, Ben and Chelsea. And just before we actually take time to pray for them, um, we wanted to give them a couple things. Wherever my wife is, I've lost her. Oh. Excuse me. Huh? Mm -hmm. We're going to do our part first. Um, years ago, 
uh, you might even remember this, I don't know. Years ago, after we had been here for a number of years, uh, the leadership of the church gave your mom and I these shepherd crooks as a symbol of our call to shepherd the people of God. That we are not called to be ranchers, we're not called to be CEOs or managers, we're called to shepherd. And that's how we've tried to live our lives. Uh, and rather than just us keep them, because we believe in the passing of the baton, although in this case it's a long baton, uh, we believe that it would be important that you would have it. So we actually had these taken, and thank you to Lisa Schultz, had them all sanded down and refinished completely so that they're different than they were when we had them. So we wanted to give this to you as a symbol and remind you of the scripture that says, To the pastors among you, I appeal as a fellow pastor and a witness of Christ's suffering who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And so we pray that all of years, whether you hang them on the side of your door in your office or wherever, you'll remember your call first and foremost to be a shepherd. That is your primary calling and what he's put his hand on. And now mom had something she wanted to say. The mic's alive, by the way. You guys are going to be standing here for a minute. That's okay. <laughs> if you would like to sit, feel free. Um, I'm just sharing as a mom today. And uh, moms like to show pictures. So I've got some pictures that are going to go along with what I'm sharing here. Uh, in preparation for this, I've done some, I'm going to just read because for the sake of time, but also because of emotion. So, In preparation for this occasion, I've done some reminiscing and taking some trips down memory lane. I'd like to share a few of these memories with you all and also remind Jonathan of them. Uh, Jonathan, I'm sure you know that your dad and I uh, prayed for you before you were born. And we dedicated you to the Lord when you were just a couple of weeks old. One of our regular prayers was that you would walk in the calling that God had for you. Another was that you would go beyond us in the things of God. You guys can also just look at the back. If you up here, the pictures will show at the back as well. Um, one of our regular prayers was that you would walk in the calling God had for you. Another was that you would go beyond us in the things of God. I believe we see evidence of those prayers continuing to be answered today. When you were born, you were tiny, as your dad said, 16 pounds, 13 ounces, 19 and 3 quarters inches long. You had jaundice, so we had to leave you in the hospital, and that was devastating to us. Mm. In fact, it was too hard emotionally for me to return to our apartment without you. So we stayed with Nana and Granddad until we could bring you home. You were an unsettled newborn, and at six weeks, you still weighed your birth weight. I think these days you would have been categorized as failure to thrive. Nana only told me several years ago that she didn't think you would survive because you were so frail. At six weeks, you and your dad and I were selected to play Mary and Joseph and Jesus in the Christmas play at Elam. We walked down the aisle, and at a certain point in the program, you raised both your arms up in the air. We could hear the gasps in the audience. People thought I was carrying a little doll, not a real newborn baby. 
I found it interesting that you and April recreated this, pap this picture some years later. Not <laughs> <laughs> quite the same angle. By age two or three, your dad and I recall you standing behind a pulpit on a chair in New Hopeful Gospel Church in Sterling, New York, where we pastored, and you were preaching the gospel. I believe you were saying, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You even looked like a pastor. <laughs> you also developed an interest in music which spoke of things to come. Can you see the next picture? As the years went on, we didn't always see you walking in your calling with our natural eyes. <laughs> I remember a season where we fasted a particular meal regularly, praying for you and your brother and sister. I remember another occasion at a pastor's conference where there was a word about pastors who were in a difficult season with their kids and an opportunity was given to receive prayer. I remember dad and I joining hands, walking up to that altar for another time of tears and intercession and believing God to do what he had promised. And then I can remember the morning, you were a senior in high school. You had been struggling with conflict and decisions regarding your future plans. We were out on the porch, you were walking down the stairs to go to school, and you turned around and said to me, Mom, I couldn't sleep last night. I asked you why not, and you said to me, I'm going to Elam. That was a day of decision that caused great rejoicing in this mom's heart. And go to Elam, you did. And I recall a couple of years later, you calling me again. I remember where I was standing when you began to talk to me about some of the struggles you were having with other students. I think you were an RA at the time. And you were telling me, if they would only realize, and off you went reciting to me the very things that I had said to you over and over. I remember being shocked as I heard those words of wisdom coming from your mouth and I realized the transformation that had happened. And by the time of your senior prophecy, the Dean of Students, Stacy Klein said, it doesn't take a prophetic rocket scientist, John, to know that God has put his hand on you for leadership. We all see it. Those words, we all see it. What your dad and I had known all those years had now become obvious. And what joy it was when you and April, your beautiful new wife, made the decision to come back to Warsaw and let that leadership gifting work here with us. We were thrilled to have you both here, but had no idea how things would develop. I remember the day several years ago when Pastor Phil McNeil stopped in and he saw, you, saw your office when it was right over there. And he either spoke to me or called me and said that when he saw your office, he heard these words from the Lord, successor pastor. Now, I don't think I was quite ready to hear those words yet because at that time your dad was very much senior pastor. But I did bear witness to them and they very much speak into the season that's upon us now. I've been thinking a lot about how proud and happy your nan and granddad would be if they were mm. here today. They recognized your calling, they prayed into it, they were thrilled to see you walking in it. Who would have thought you would become your grandparents' pastor? <laughs> When dementia started to envelop Nana and there was much confusion in her mind, she would still talk about you, Jonathan, and how you were the pastor at the church next door. And she would say, he's a good pastor. <laughs> she was right. One of the moments I had with you that I treasure is spending those last hours with Granddad. We were taking shifts and you and I were on that shift together when he passed. I know you wanted to be there. And I know you wanted his mantle. 
and I see that on you. I hear his questions come out in your sermons, and I see him in the way you befriend people. You find good in them. You embrace them, and you make time for them. I see the wisdom that he was known for evidence in your counseling and leadership. And as an aside, there's uh, the love of snowmobiles, too. <laughs> and that, that wisdom, Stacy Klein spoke into that as well when he called you a leader, gifted with unusual wisdom to unscramble situations. And he said, God is going to allow wisdom to flow through you to bring a cohesion to these situations where people will see how they relate to the person next to them, how they relate to what God has called them to do. A gifted leader with unusual wisdom used by God to bring together situations that have been horribly scrambled in people's lives. Wisdom has the dimension always of being able to see the big picture, being able to apply knowledge in a proper way, but the real mark of wisdom is going beneath the surface to be able to really establish what the truth is in that situation. We see that gift of wisdom flowing in your ministry. A few days before Granddad died, you posted this on Facebook. I'm sitting by my granddad while he is sleeping. I found this picture on a table in their room. He has had a pretty amazing life. It would be hard to find someone who has been more faithful, hard to find someone more steadfast. What an awesome example. I hope to be as faithful and steadfast as he has been. I'll say you're well on your way. I know Granddad would be rejoicing, a mixture of laughing and crying together, if he were here with us today. <laughs> Lastly, I want to remind you of something. I don't quite know what year it was, but somewhere around 25 to 30 years ago, I put a verse in each of you kids' bedrooms. I prayed and asked for the Lord for a verse to pray and declare over each of you, and then I wrote it and put it on your bedroom doors. Yours was Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Interestingly, as of this week, your verse was still there. I didn't want to take that verse off your door, but that room is now a storeroom. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want the verse, really the promise of the verse, to be lost. So I have this gift here for you. I want you to have it as a continued promise for your life and for your children and for those you minister to. It's the same one that's been hanging in your room all these years, and clearly God has answered my prayer. I love you, and I'm thrilled to see you walk in your calling in this season. Awesome. Thank you. We're going to take a little bit of time and pray for John and April now and the whole family. I'm going to ask you to join with us. It's easy to disconnect at times like this, feeling like, oh, it's for them, it's not for me. But the truth is this is for you too because this couple, this family, will be a key family for you in your lives. So would you join us as we pray for them? And for those of you here, gather around them. Uh, if you feel like you have a word or something you want to pray over them, just let me know and I will pass the microphone. So come on in.
Blessed be your name, Lord God. I came with a word, so I'm just going to go ahead and, and read it here while we're pressing into the Lord's presence. I felt the word flourish for April on her birthday last month as she was turning 40, and I wrote about it in her birthday card. After her party, as I was laying in bed that night thinking of this day, I felt it was a word for both of you. I know, John, you'll also be turning 40 in a couple of months, but it's not just about the age. It's about this season of ministry that you're entering. You've been here about 15 years, and you've invested into many arenas. You've invested into worship, into young adults, into youth, into many people with counseling, one-on-one -on -one mentoring, helping people in need with housing projects or financial advice. You've invested into developing relationships in both the church and the community. You've invested into your own personal growth, individually and as a couple. You've invested into your own children. You've made financial investments and time investments. You've invested tears and prayers. And I believe it's time for a new season. This is the time where you will see fruit from your investments, reward from your blood, sweat, and tears. The desert shall blossom as a rose, Places that look like they were not going to bloom, respond, or grow will now begin. But they won't just bud, they will flourish. There will be a season of reaping after years of planting. The reaper will overtake the harvester. Your baskets will be filled to overflowing. In every place where you have sown, where you have planted, where you have invested, you can expect a harvest that will flourish. Expect it, watch for it, care for it, Enjoy it and rejoice in it, for this season is coming upon you even now. When uh, David was passing on and speaking to Solomon, <coughs> he said, Be strong and prove yourself a man, but keep the charge of the Lord, meaning the, the call on your life. Remember that call. Walk in the Lord's ways and his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies. Remember the testimonies of what God has done for you and in you in your, in your life. Father, we pray for the anointing and the mantle upon Jonathan's life. Father, the the inheritance and the, the history that is upon him, Lord. We pray for your protection and wisdom to be his portion, Lord. That he would be able to navigate the path that you have before him. Thank you, Father. Uh, John, I just feel like the Lord wants to remind you that you, the Lord, the calling is um, deep and uh, weighty. It's, it's um, probably Lord larger than, than we imagine. That, that the Lord wants to remind you that you're not alone in this. You carry it alone. Mm -hmm. 
uh, you have those who've gone on before you of who are part of the great host of witnesses that, that encourage and, and spur you on, but you also have those who are flesh and blood here in this body. Your leadership team, your family, your your friends. <coughs> and I think everybody here could call themselves friends. But we're here. We're here. And the Lord has provided that for you. That you don't run this race alone. That we are linking arms with you to help and, and support and spur on and encourage and pray for. Father, thank you for these gifts. And we commit as um, a body and as friends, we commit to be cheerleaders and encouragers and prayer warriors and those who stand in the gap. And thank you for that honor. Father, I thank you for this day and for what you're doing and for all the words that we have heard, Lord, of encouragement and confirmation. I thank you for Jonathan and your plans that you have for him. And I thank you for April and the plans you have for her and for them as a couple and for this family and just this prayer by the spirit that I'm praying that I thank you that, that Jonathan, uh, the Lord is just saying to pray over you that you are a good father and you have been a good father. You are a, a father of wisdom, a father of tenderness and compassion, and, and a, a father uh, who loves his children and is not afraid to discipline them in the way that God has called you to do so. And you are raising up a great harvest in your family, and April, you've been a tremendous mother. And the Lord says that you will be known, uh, you will be known as a great mother and father, a father and mother in this house, and not only in this house, but to those outside, to the church at large, you will be known as father and mother in 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 a tremendous and a great way. And Jonathan, I saw two words over you the Lord put on my heart. One was strength. And that he that he wants you to know that he will strengthen you in the days ahead, even at times that you feel faint of heart. Uh, to do not be discouraged, for the Lord will strengthen you. The Lord has strengthened you and you are strong. But in the days ahead know this that you have everything you need and you've been given everything you need by the Spirit for this, for this assignment, for this place, for this position, for pastor. And you've, you have everything you need. So know that you can draw on the resources of the Spirit that is within you for what God has called you to do. And it's not by might and it's not by power, but it is by His Spirit, says the Lord. And so that you will be able to stand up and, and your legs will be strengthened and your arms will be strengthened and you will have the strength that you desire in the time that you need it. And you are as David, the Lord showed me your heart. You are as David, the Lord says, that you are one who uh, he, you, have, you follow hard after God and you ha your heart is after him. And uh, he has been pleased with that. 
he, he's pleased with the heart that follows hard after him. And I saw, so I saw strength, strengthen. And that's also for both of you as a couple. He will raise you up and strengthen you in this place. You will be fathers and mothers. You will be full of wisdom. You will have everything you need by the Spirit to lead and to minister your flock well, says the Lord. And the second thing I saw was a lion's heart. You have the heart of a lion, and you are courageous, and you are not afraid to stand up and roar when the roar of the Lord needs to be heard. And the Lord is pleased with that. He's pleased with the lion's heart that he has put within you, that you have allowed to be cultured, allowed to grow within you. And that lion's heart is going to grow even more. And you will be one that guards, one that watches over, one that protects, one that stands up. And you will have the, the strength to, to, to ward off uh, the wolves and those who would come and try to come into the fold and hurt the sheep. You will have the heart of the lion to stand up and guard and protect, even as you have done over your own family and your own children. So now you will do that and have that for this place and for this house. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this family. I thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in this church, Lord, the family of God that is here, the body of Christ that is here, Lord God. I thank you that, yes, it's going to flourish and it's going to grow and it's going to go on, Lord God, and in succession to what has been started, Lord. You will truly complete the work that you have started. Amen. Um, John and April, I've been praying for you guys for a while. And uh, I've spent some time just seeking the Lord. And there's a, a few things that I was reminded of. One is, you know, David, he at one point is facing the Philistines over and over. He'll clear them out and then they're back. And each time he does something, he inquires of the Lord. He understands the problem is there, but is it his battle? Is it his time? Is it the approach that he needs? He's always questioning before he makes a move. And I saw you guys like that, where your heart really is, God, we're going to seek first your kingdom. We might see the issue, but is it our issue to take up? Is it our battle? Hmm. Is this the time? And one of the coolest things that there's one point where the Lord responds to David and says, when you hear the sound above the poplar trees, that's the time to go in. And there is no way to recreate that in yourself. You can't make a sound above those trees. So there's a sound that God wants to bring forth from you guys. And there is something so unique, and it's waiting for that time. And it's felt like, God, we've been waiting. We've, we've gone through battles. We've seen this. But now you're about to see that release of the sound come forth. And there is something that's been locked up on the inside of you. But the Lord is uncapping wells, and he's causing you to step into it. It's just been a matter of time. It's almost like Joshua around that wall. There's a period of silence, but there is that moment when there's a release. And when there's a release, they saw a huge victory. You're about to see the huge victory, and the battle belongs to the Lord. He has a game plan, and he's going to give you that game plan, and it's going to be very clear. And then I was hearing this wind. And, you know, in Acts 2, it talks about there's something like the sound 
of the wind, and there's a fresh wind that's blowing upon your spirits. Mm. There's been almost a weariness that has been there, but God is blowing that fresh wind again, and he's rejuvenating. I was seeing even into your physical bodies. It was like an x-ray of your physical bodies, and God doing something over your physical beings, and he's renewing. He's recharging. It's like things are coming into balance. There's something that's just felt a little bit off, but God is bringing to you that peace that passes all understanding. He guards your heart. He guards your mind, and he's taking you to a place of being able to step out and say, God, I'm yours. I'm not holding back anything anymore. There was a time that you felt like you almost had to hold back from some things, but God's taken something off of you in this season, and you're going to release the freedom to many people. And then I was sitting here thinking about there was a moment in this church where I can remember way back when there were pews. And I was sitting in a pew, and we had this amazing service. And I was sitting by myself just praying. And I felt this hand on my back, and I thought it might have been my dad or Uncle Chris praying for me. And I waited there, and I opened my eyes, and there was no one in the room. And I walked back and I talked to Uncle Chris and my dad and they said it was either an angel or God himself. And I was reminded of that when I walked in today and I felt like God said, he's sending people who are marked by him. And they are going to be ones ready to serve, ready to be equipped, ready to march forward. It's like their heart is going to be that of a servant, and they're going to be ready to get behind the vision. And there is a launching forward of some things that he's put on the inside of you. But even around the family, I was seeing dreams are going to be coming something that is like, uh, hey, I woke up, and I had this dream, and it's going to happen. And I saw visions being stirred up, angelic activity, but the protection of God being on you and on your family. And so, Father, I release to them a greater joy, healing within their beings. God, I thank you that you will cause even what they put their hand to to prosper. That even as David's men said, success to you, David, and success to all that you do. We speak that over John and April and the family right now. We say success to you and success to all you do in Jesus' name. Well, um, as I walked in here today, I began to just pick up prophetically all around the room. I thought, I just want to prophesy. Like, and I realized as that was happening that the Lord was saying he's laying a fresh prophetic mantle on this house. And there's going to be the training and equipping and setting ones in. And you actually have prophetess in your own seed that the Lord is going to raise up. All right, so uh, there's a couple of things that came to mind um, you, as I, I was praying for you over this last month. Um, one is a piece of advice that your granddad gave us years ago, um, and that was this. Even if you make a mistake, God's big enough to cover that mistake. And I, I felt that just here as I came in. And I didn't think about it until I came in here. The Lord was already speaking some other things. But it was almost a year ago to this day that I got called to go do some work down in D.C. And I had parked my car one day in this garage. And there was I spent the day doing some work. And um, one of the high-ranking military guys was taking me back to my car. But the gate was closed where I had parked. And there was no way to get in. And it was pouring rain. And he, he looked at me and he said, I'm not going to leave you. 
And, and I felt that, and he didn't. He stayed until I was able to get my car out. And I felt that, that God is going to add people to you who will not leave you, but they Thank will you, be with you through the storms and through the changes and through the challenges, for there shall yet be change. And God says, I shall initiate that change. And even as my own servant Isaac had a choice to leave, I said, dwell in the land. And the Lord said, because you have chosen to dwell in this land, just like Isaac, I shall cause a reaping to take place in the days ahead that will surprise even yourselves. And you'll look back and you'll say, God, I had no idea of what you were about to do. But I give you thanks. And so the Lord says, I am your provision. I shall provide. There shall be abundance. And there shall be the overflow. The outpouring of the Spirit will rest in this place. And many will come to experience a freshness of the outpouring of my presence. And you shall be carriers of my presence. Mm. And many, many, many will call you mom and dad in the Spirit. And the Lord says, I'm causing a shift to take place, and even in your family. And I have to say, John and April, it's been a few years. Um, I, I mean, I know I, I have a Facebook account, but I'm not on. I don't even know the names of your daughters. But I'll tell you, the girl right here in the coral, she is a change maker. She's a bell ringer. She's a giant killer. And as you train her in the ways of the Spirit, you watch how she'll go to battle, and God will give her great victory. And your youngest right here is a prophetess. And there is dreams, and there are visions. She's going to awaken and say, I had a dream last night. And she's going to grow in the development of the understanding of dreams and visions. And the Lord has put within that second born there, the one with the bun on top, I think that must be the second born. Uh, Natalie, thank yeah. you, Kathy. Uh, the Lord has really put within her creativity. It's like God is going to unlock what he has placed in her. And she's going to be known and seen for the gifts that are within her. There's talents that are locked up. And the Lord is opening her and giving her a confidence to step into what he has for her. And your oldest, I remember a time being here in this church, and there was a meeting. And I remember it was people from Kansas City. And uh, they had me stand up. And I stood up. And they said, you will be a prototype of what God will do with woman in ministry. That girl right there is going to be a prototype of what God will do with the, with the daughters, the sons in the house. You watch what he does through her. She's born to lead. She is a natural born leader, but she's also a spiritual born leader. Uh, and so I'm going to just uh, end there. Brother Paul Johansson gave me a piece of advice um, not too long ago, and I thought, well, maybe, you know, I, I don't, you come through life, and sometimes you think, I don't really know what I'm doing, and so I thought, well, maybe I go back to Bible college, I don't know, and so I came into a meeting, and he was there, and, and I, I, he came over to me and greeted me, and I love that man. Mm -hmm. I, there's really no words to describe him, but he's a man of great honor, but anyways, I said, 
He asked what I was doing. I said, I don't know. Should I come back to Bible college? You think I should finish? I never did finish. And he said, don't do it. He <laughs> 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 said, you've already got it. You've got more than what we could give you. And I felt there's going to be a lot of voices. And sometimes they're in your own head. And you can mm -hmm. begin to second guess who you are and what you're called to do. And if I could say, listen to what Brother Paul said, don't listen to it. Don't do it. You build the altar. And just as Isaac and as Abraham built the altar, you build the altar, and God will speak to you. Amen. I just, I, I, had, I had a word in my heart for the, for the, for the children, and when you were doing it, I was going, I didn't, I didn't carry out the, and, uh, and, you know, I said that you're raising up a great harvest in these ones and a mighty, mighty uh, force for the kingdom of God. And I, and I not, that, that I'm just con re coming back behind, confirming prophet over that one, because I saw, as soon as I looked at her, I saw prophet, a prophetic. And well, <laughs> I'm just wanting to confirm it. And the one with the bun on her head, I saw a creative spirit for the arts. For music and, and I don't know, there's something in, in the arts with, with her and there's something creative and a creative force that's really going to be used in to advance the kingdom and to and to have great influence in the kingdom. Um, and so I just wanted to and a you know, raising up great and powerful, powerful children. Amen. Jonathan, I believe uh, I know a lot about you. I know your personality and some of the things that you love, some of the things you don't like so much. And the Lord has given you, on one hand, this ability to just be decisive, and he has made you a get-or-done person. Like, if you see something, it needs to be done. You just figure it out, and you get her done. And I feel like that is in this hand over here. You like you have a firm grasp of it, and it is something that you are confident in. But what I saw in the picture as I was praying for you is that you have this other hand grasping something, and you had no idea what it is. But it is the hand of surprise and of good gifts and of answers and of solutions that have nothing to do with the other hand. It's a hand that sometimes when this hand doesn't know the answer that you can say, but over here in this hand, God has surprises. And he, he will give you answers and solutions that you will know did not come from your mind, did not come from your thinking, did not come from your, sorry, from your natural abilities at all. And it'll be something you will open your hand at that time, and out will pour things like love and grace and mercy and answers that did not go through your mind. They did not come from any of your thinking. But the Lord says, this is what I have for you right now. This is what I have for somebody you're speaking to. This is what I have for your children. Nothing of your flesh nothing that you could think up and you yourself will be surprised as you hear it come out and as you watch it, it's almost like I see fairy dust 
You'll open your hand, and it'll be angel dust. It'll be God dust. It'll be wisdom that is like, but this is the practical way to do it. This is the solution. And God says, no, open this hand. I have a surprise for you, and it's going to be that. And you will go, wow, I would have never seen that coming. I would have never thought of that. But that is something you can depend on as you minister to people, as you raise your family, as you lead this church, that you will have many times that God will say, open the other hand and watch me work. Just open the other hand and let me do it. And it will pour out and you will be amazed. Well, Father, we thank you for this occasion, for our gathering. And setting in Jonathan and April and the whole clan into the center of your purposes for their lives. Uniquely gifted, uniquely called. We believe, Father, that you're going to do above and beyond what they could even ask or imagine that you are a God who delights in showing yourself strong. And so, Lord, as we think about this day, we together agree with what you have already established, that Jonathan David Lonneville is the lead pastor of Family Life Church, and that through that leadership and through the entirety of the ministry of the family and all that's involved, you will cause your kingdom to be more firmly established and to grow and expand, to be enlarged in this area. We pray for grace upon them, Father, the grace of health. Father, health in their bodies, Lord. Things that have been remaining for some time, Lord. Things that are chronic. We pray health and healing in Jesus' name. That they would have strong minds and strong bodies, Father. That their spirits would be strong and that they would find you a real help in time of need. We pray for their finances, God, that you would bless them across the board. That they would be enabled by your grace to do what they're called to do without having to constantly fret about that kind of thing. But their trust would be in you. We pray for their emotional well-being, Lord. It's easy to find yourself... uh, almost depleted because of giving out so often, depleted spiritually and emotionally. Lord, I pray that you would fill their reservoirs full with your love for them and then their love for one another. Let John and April walk together as a team together, Lord, uh, with each unique gifting and each unique personality. Lord, let it be used for your kingdom, we pray. Lord, we pray blessing upon the girls, your protection over their lives, Lord. Every day that they would know who they are and whose they are. Lord, not just that they're the Lonavilles, but that they are God's dearly loved daughters. Lord, I pray that that would become a reality for them and protect them against the attempts of the enemy to bring not only distraction, but destruction. Lord, protect them, we pray, and let them become, even as has been declared, uh, like lion tamers when it comes to the things of the enemy and what they have intended to do harm. Let your grace rest upon them. And Father, we pray over them the same thing that we prayed over them many times. Each night as they would lay down, we say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, both now and forevermore. 
we pray it in the name of Christ. Amen. 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 Now, we do have a couple of things here. This is a plaque commemorating this day. It's right here. You can look at it later. We'll put it out front. It says, Family Life Church recognizes Jonathan Lonneville as lead pastor, July 17, 2022. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, willingly, eagerly, and as an example, in 1 Peter 5, 2-3. And then we have some flowers for April. Okay, well then the rest of the team can sit down and you guys, if you could move over here, we're going to do one more thing, so don't go away. Don't go. Uh, if the guys could help, we want to put these chairs back out of the way. Thank you. And Josh is going to explain things about a dinner, but before we do that, we're going to do one other thing. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Okay, we're going to continue on with our celebration this morning. We're going to get to our meal together, which is going to be a great time of fellowship and celebration, and I'm really excited, and you're all welcome to join us. But before we can do that, we have to convert our sanctuary into a dining hall. So... We're not going to do it yet, but I'm going to give some quick instruction on how we're going to do that conversion, okay? When we say go, we are going to get up and we're going to have a team that's going to come through and take all the chairs, and we're going to split the chairs right about here down the middle, okay? This half is going to get stacked up over here in stacks of six, and this half over here. We're then going to have a team of deacons come in, and Rustam and Clift will be the ones who have the plan for how the tables are going to be laid out, okay? A lot of you who have come here for our fellowship dinners here in the sanctuary are familiar with how we lay it out, but just follow Cliff and Rustam's lead if you have any questions, okay? But, as I mentioned, before we do that, we have one more special thing we want to do. So we're going to invite the Lonneville family to come forward, and we have all the children of our church. They're going to come up and gather around, and we're going to take a photograph so as to create kind of a time capsule of this event to mark everyone's ages and the day. And I'm going to get over, give it over to Nick right now. All right. Uh, kids, you can just go with your parents. Yeah. Yes, yes, parents. Kids can go, yeah, go find your families. Sorry for any confusion. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Everyone's going to stand up. Stand up. A lot of the family, you guys are going to turn around and face me. So if you're way in the back, just kind of fill in. If there's some spaces, just kind of move up a little bit. <laughs> this is just a big picture, guys. It's, it's going to be really easy. Josh. All right, come on. Family? Move up, move up. I'm going to start calling names. <laughs> Go find your families. So okay. listen, if you can't see me, all right, if I, you can't see my camera, then the camera can't see you. So stand up, move. I want to be able to see everybody. We'd love to be able to give this to them uh, to have for a long time. <laughs> 